Hi, I'm Claudio Poses, artist for Dungeons and Dragons and The Witcher RPG, and you're listening to Moro's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about player strongholds and the new Bastion rules in the D&D playtest. In the news, more Planescape previews, an algorithmic art controversy, Penguin Random House dropping Dungeons and Dragons, and more, plus a brand new sketch about not disparaging the sponsor of the Great Race Competition. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Rat Catchers Guild. If you have a rat problem and no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Hang on, that's the eighty. Hmm. <laughs> the Rat Catchers Guild. An expensive solution if you don't have a cat. All the tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players, joined as ever by the fabulous talented, but I do notice breaking the podcast dress code by appearing on this podcast in blue rather than the uh, regulation green. It's a uh, <laughs> It's one. It's the only. It's, it's me, Jessica from EM Publishing, and I am wearing a blue t-shirt. I didn't know it would be so controversial. Well, now you do. I trust there'll be no repetition of this instant. <laughs> I think about what I wear next time. You know, I made the fool's errand of just going to my drawer and pulling out whatever t-shirt was clean, and, you know, that was that. Yeah. But apparently I need to think more about it. Mm. Uh, it's just because, like... The I listeners can green. tell you now. Russ wears green. Uh, yeah, so it's like I don't it's always wear green. I wear black quite a lot too. Green and black are my main chocolate clothing yeah. colours. Yeah, <laughs> or blue anyway. if you count jeans. I do wear blue with my jeans, and my shoes are brown. So you know, I'm happy to talk about fashion, but I feel I would struggle to call what I wear fashion. I I wouldn't <laughs> do that either. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jessica. Thank I you so feel much. I'm ju- I'm being agreeable. I'm agreeing with you. I feel like. Our listeners are here to listen to the week's tabletop role-playing game news. Oh, I am sure they are listen. They are tuned in just to find out what colour clothes we are currently wearing. Oh, I, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse? We, we've seen the, the table of contents for the book of Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. It's we have! Ian Worlds. Uh, I will link it in the chat in case you haven't seen it. But I have I seen it, so I put it there. Well, I know you did, but I was more, you know. Um, it'll also be in the show Thank notes you. for people who are listening. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. so we have the, the contents of the book. The book. Mm. So I don't know if we have thoughts, opinions, or feelings about this. Okay. Russ, what are yours? So, okay, so these three originally came from Brandes Stoddard over on the Blue Sky app. Not that I was about to say Twitter. It's not Twitter. He was on Blue Sky, where you can see loads of pictures of the book. Mm-hmm. He's posted like dozens and dozens and dozens. But here we're talking about the table of contents. But we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to see the rest of them. Mm. There's loads of them. But mm-hmm. um, the table of contents. So what we got? So we have got three chapters. This is just the main um, uh, rule book, source book one. There's a bestiary as well. And there's the uh, adventure as well, mm-hmm. which we've got the contents for also. 
So this is the, this is the main rule book. So it's 55 pages, it looks like. And then the chapters are, after we've got like the introductory chapter, which just says what is Planescape and tells you about the multiverse and stuff in about two pages. We've got a bunch of character options, mm-hmm. some of which we've talked about before. Backgrounds, um, feats, magic. Yeah, yeah. So the feats are Agent of Order, Baleful Skyon, or Scion, Cohort of Chaos, Outlaw, Outlands, Envoy, Planar Wanderer, Righteous Heritor, and Scion of the Outer Plains. That last one's the one we saw last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about the, the Gate 1 background as well last week. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Then we've got two spells, Gate Seal and Warp Sense. Mm. And then we've got three magic items, a Mimir, Portal Compass, yeah. and Sensory Stone. Is a sensory stone like a fidget toy, do we think? Maybe. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Like it. Or like a little... I, I suppose it's meant to be a spy eye, but that's how mm. I treat it as a fidget toy. Mimir, Mimir. That's uh, Viking mythology, Norse mythology. Um, I saw this somewhere, and I can't remember where, and I can't remember what it was, but I did it see what is. Mimir was. A figure in Northern mythology renowned for knowledge and wisdom. Mm. Mm. Well, something about... It's a, ma- it's a magic item here. Oh, yeah. he gets beheaded and Odin carries around his head so it can yeah. recite secret knowledge and counsel. That's not very kind. Okay, if I got beheaded, would I carry my head around? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Odin carries Mimir's oh, head around. Odin carries his head around. Oh, so that would yeah, be yeah. like me killing you and carrying your head around. Oh, don't do that, Jess. I don't plan on it. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's going to whisper wisdom at you, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> <That's> the point. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what it is in terms of Planescape, though. I hope it's, it's magic, just that. It's, I just hope... Well, well it's I, a magic item, isn't it? So, yeah, maybe it's just... The head. His head that, car- that whispers wisdom at you. Yeah. Like the head yeah. of Thick, then. Oh, uh, maybe. Lovely. Well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? That, that old S- chestnut. Sigil. Sigil. Yeah, it is yeah. Sigil. Yeah, so yeah, so many yeah. times I, I've seen people going... Because Wizards have been putting out all these videos this week. Mm-hmm. There's been like half a dozen of them, six or seven of them at least. There's mm-hmm. loads of them, too many to keep up with, really. And they obviously they're pronouncing it Sigil in the um, videos. And it looks like for quite a lot of people, and I suppose there's no reason why you would think otherwise if you've only seen it written down, that yeah. comes as a complete surprise to them that it's pronounced Sigil, not Sigil. Yeah, I mean, it does... spelt the same as the actual word yes, Sigil. yeah. It did for me as well, but then words constantly confuse me because I am dyslexic, so generally... Words and apostrophes, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Alex, I told you when I started working for VM Publishing, I was like, spelling and grammar, not my strong suits. <laughs> you will need to check things I write. I will do my very best, but this is not but... what I, this is not my skill set. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so that Planescape was chapter one, character is... options. So if you are interested in carrying a man's head around that whispers wisdom to you... Assuming you... that's what that is. I, I hope it is. Uh, October 17th is when Planescape Adventures of the Multiverse is mm. out. Yeah. So that, 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 that was the character option. So that was like six pages. Yeah. Then we got Sigil, chapter two. Mm-hmm. Big old chapter on Sigil, which is about 40-odd pages, 45 pages, I think. Big, mm-hmm. big chapter. It's like the bulk of the book. And it's just kind of like um, an introduction to Sigil, uh, life in Sigil, talks about the portals, because it's kind of the city of doors and the portals go everywhere to all the other planes in the in the multiverse. Uh, a bit about the Lady of Pain, which apparently you met, Jess, as I recall, in a pub or something. Yeah, she was fine. Point. She was all right yeah. to me. She was fine. Uh, various factions... And they kind of gazetteer just the various locations in Sigil. So that's what that is. I've heard of the Heralds of Dust. Hmm. Apparently when they were first introduced, they they... were introduced as these 
terrifying people. They come through my house a lot. The heralds of dust. Yeah. It's not the dust yeah. itself, it's the heralds of dust. They come before yeah. the dust. Yeah. And yeah. announce and announce the coming of the dust. Yeah. Well, well it's be- it was better than ha- when they were first introduced, which was apparently has the dust men. And uh, <laughs> apparently, yeah, exactly. Mm. It's like you are. <laughs> All right. Oh, my old man's a dust man. He wears a dust flat. He wears gold blimey hands. <laughs> I just picturing the Mary Poppins um, step in time like scene going on as well with like Dick Van Dyke leading the charge. Do you know what I mean? And then we have a chapter all about the Outlands. So this yep. is about another thirty-five pages or so. Oh, it's ninety-six yep. pages, not fifty-five. I'm a great big liar. The Outlands, the various gate towns in the Outlands, yep. um, and then a bunch of other realms. Yeah. Um, so it's just thirty pages, just sort of like. So it's like. Half the book is Sigil, and half 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 the book is stuff outside Sigil, basically. Okay, so that yeah. encompasses the entire universe, then. Uh, kind of, yeah. Because everything in or out of Sigil. They they I are mean, not they are not including the entire universe in this book. No, but you this can categorize everything in the universe by those two things: is it in or is it out of Sigil? Mm. That's true. I guess so. But this this I'm looking at these numbers, and it goes up to like what ninety six. Mm-hmm. And page 96, by the way, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven items on it. So this, this doesn't feel like it's a big old book. This, this feels yeah, like. Yeah, it's, more, it's, a, it's a stick case with three books, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've put a link to the adventure, which is Turn of Fortune's Wheel, which is mm. a separate book, but has the adventure content in. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I you get, scroll down, yeah. um, below that, there's the monster book. There's a second book in the, uh, second book in the, whatchamacallit, in, in the slipcase. So this one's like 50 odd pages and it's got lots and lots of, uh, or 63, I think, actually. Uh, lots and lots of monsters in it. Githerai, time dragons, um, mercy killer, bloodhounds, um, doom guards, all sorts of various bits and pieces. Cranium rat squeaker. That's interesting. Uh, I like that. Githerai. Are sort of the opponents of Githyanki. Yeah, like Githyanki are just full on like Hellsgate, yeah. Lazale, evil, and Githsarai are—they um, are about peace. Nice. So yeah, so Githyanki are like we need to sort this out through like vengeance, violence, very militaristic, and mm. the others are like more through peace and like pacifism, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Just so the Githyanki are Gith. kind of militaristic, and the Githyanki are kind of monastic. I think it's the kind of. Yeah, yeah, that's a better yeah. summary. Yes, more well, said. Ish. I'm very excited to be playing Githyanki in my next Baldskate run through, which I'm doing next as a live play one. on Wednesdays. If oh yeah, I want of course. To watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just pretty much wanted to play Lazel, so mm, I called my character Mazel, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm playing a Githyanki fighter. Um, so <laughs> it's a it's a full on just. Homage to that, but yeah, fair. So, well, turn anyway, of fortune's wheel. Turn of fortune's well. wheel. Yeah, so we've got the table so of contents of that. Also, yeah, so many tables of contents. Many, many tables of contents, and this has fifteen chapters. Yeah, I don't think it's bigger than the others. Um, I think they're just smaller chapters. Mm. Um, but basically, it's divided into three parts: the adventure, and it looks like the second part. Basically, you go into the outlands and you end up visiting like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven or eight different gate towns. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to guess the plot of the thing just by looking at the... Um, looking, yeah, looking at well, the, um, yeah, you can. You can, can't contents. you? I'm wondering... I don't want to say too much in case someone plans on playing it and it's spoilers, yeah. but it's all linked on EN World, so you can mm. read through if, you, if you're interested, but... Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I yeah. mean, it does come in three parts. Mm. So, like, there's a starting bit, there's an exploring bit, and then I think part three will be where the climax like, happens. 17. Possibly, yeah. And I wonder if that's got something to do with those time dragons and stuff. I wonder if it's a time jump. I don't know. I'm just totally guessing here. I mean, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a time jump. You jump into the future and come across your characters at level 17 or something. Maybe. I don't know. Bold assumption. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Could be completely wrong there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's a bad idea for a campaign. I kind of like the idea of a campaign that you do start at level one and then you jump to sort of like level four or something and then jump to like level eight and just like, and it's snapshots of their lives and you can assume they've been adventuring in between and you're just covering certain bits of it. And that means you get to have all the different, or maybe one at each tier of play. Yeah. You get to play in each tier then with the same characters. So you have like four adventures or five adventures. Yeah. That could, that could mean, be fun. It's interesting. But you've got that whole sweet spot between 3 and 10. Mm. So, uh, I mean, that, because, like, level 5, because that would be, like, what, I don't know, 3, 5, 11, 17? Mm, yeah, I guess, yeah. So you're, you're missing out a lot of sections. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested. Yeah, might work more. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Just an idea, really. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing we've got is, you know, they put these um, disclaimers in the front of every D&D book, these little comedy disc bits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've got the disclaimers for the three books as well. Um, do we want to do you want to read those out or not? What yeah, do you think? Yeah? Okay, Sigil in the Outlands. Yeah. Sigil in the Outlands says, The factions of the City of Doors are not responsible for symptoms associated with accidentally happening upon the cage. Please consult your doctor if you experience any of the following upset stomach, nausea, existential dread, clythrophobia, whatever that is, or an irritable lycanthropia. Hmm? Lycanthropia? No. C L E I T H, rophobia, or an irresistible urge to wax poetic about philosophies relating to the motivus. I think that's what my dog's got at the moment, to be honest. An irresistible urge to wax poetic. poetic. Mm-hmm. Well, you can get creepy. And a funny or and, I'm going to uh, Google clethrophobia and see if it's an actual thing or whether it's just a D&D thing. It's it's, oh, there we go. It's a specific phobia involving the fear of being trapped. There we go. Yeah, Ooh. that's fair enough. Okay. okay. I think that's a reasonable fear. A reasonable fear. I mean, just like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. I mean, I've got T-Rexophobia. I guarantee if I saw a T-Rex, I'd be afraid. But Definitely. Would be a big chicken. So the monster book, Morty's Morte's Planar Parade, the disclaimer says, Everything in this book is true, except the parts that ain't. The planes change. Coins and threats are just a few details. Boring bits get more colourful. You know how it is. What's what? You're a cagey sort, Chief. I know you'll figure it out. We should put that sort of disclaimer on this podcast, really, shouldn't mm. we? You'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. Morris is an official tabletop RPG talk. Don't worry, you'll figure it out. I think this is like, that's how Doctor Who kind of like brushes over continuity and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's like, you ah. just go, oh, time away, me, you'll figure it out. It's fine, don't worry. Time. Yeah, don't they worry. just do that. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then, uh, so that, where are we? So those are the table of contents that we have from D&D previews. Yeah. Oh, we've got the disclaimer from Turn of Fortune's Wheel as well. Oh, yes. Okay, so this one says. Fortune's Wheel welcomes guests and currencies from all planes, realities, and timelines. The house takes no responsibility for any harm, financial, physical, existential, or otherwise, endured during games of chance in interactions with guests or house security, 
or by running afoul of the proprietor and gamble responsibly. I always do. <laughs> Fortune's wheel presumably be the gambling establishment, I guess, from that. Uh, that makes sense. Hmm. Love a good crossroads demon. Also, in other D&D news, we have, there's a new bonus playtest document for the new Bastion system that will be coming hmm. in the, the 2024 Dungeon Master's Guide, but I believe that will be our topic for the week, so we shall return to that later in the yes, show. Yes, we're going to talk about strongholds and bastions. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, what that one last thing about D&D. Yes. So in our, uh, a video, Jeremy Crawford was talking about Planescape and the 2024 rules update. Mm-hmm. And um, he was kind of saying that Planescape's his favourite saying, uh, saying, setting, his yeah. favourite setting. Um, and, and saying. And saying. And, um, he often um, goes, ah, yeah. Planescape. <laughs> yeah. But he says, like, Planescape is D&D. It's kind of the setting of settings. Um, he didn't go so far as to say it is the core D&D setting or default D&D setting, which a lot of people are kind of like inferring that from it. I don't think he's saying he's going so far as to say that, but he's saying that, you know, in the 2024 core rule books, Planescape is going to be much, much more front and center than it was in the 2014 core rule books. I don't know exactly how. I assume it'd just be like those sidebars with mentions and some of the art and stuff, most mm-hmm. probably because they're getting completely new art, those books, aren't they? So I assume that's what that means. But I it guess. looks like they are definitely kind of moving towards making Planescape pretty much yeah. their... Like you know their products, maybe? Yeah, their brand sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's multiverse, and it gives you the opportunity to explore places that aren't Faerun mm. and the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I mean, Faerun, a lot of lore, a lot of people really love it, fair enough, but kind of, kind of explored. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice for people to have more more elbow room to sort yeah. of develop. Yeah. Because I think if you grabbed, like, I think there's, I think I saw a map sometime, it basically had every single bit of Faerun. Mm. You could click anywhere and it would give you all the lore for that location. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and all, all I could link to the thing, I'm like, that. That's a lot of text. That is too much. Mm. Yeah. For me. Like, I'm, I'm not. Basic, basically, for me, that would be like a giant homework assignment. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I've seen people online, they've been sort of saying, with all these word, the word multiverse being floated around so much recently, mm-hmm. and they've sort of been saying, I don't want a multiverse in their D&D, and, you know, everyone's just copying um, Marvel and the current trend and stuff. But, but, Planescape and Spelljammer and the D&D multiverse pre-exists those things by, like, yeah. goes back to the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 This isn't new to D and D at all. Yeah. And also, people saying I don't want that in my D and D game. You don't have to have it in your D and D game. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You don't you, want it. Take it out. Yeah. Mm. Just don't. Yeah. Just just don't put it in. Like it's yeah. Yeah, the great thing mm. about RPGs. It's your table. You can your game you can is your choose game. Yeah. any law you want. You can also pick. You can also pick and choose the choose the rules you want at your table. You can yeah. you can go nuts and do whatever you, know, you want. I I heard a rumor right. Apparently. There are settings, worlds created by other companies that you can use, if you like. And also, get this, you can make your own ones too. That's... Yeah. Mind blown, huh? Sit down, Russ. You're <laughs> lightheaded and dizzy. You need... I thoroughly recommend such a... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, it, it looks cool. I know some people that are very excited about Planescape, the setting of mm. the book. So, uh, yeah, it's com- coming out soon, a couple of weeks, uh, October 17th. So, mm. yeah. Well, pleased. I mean, um, I, I feel like I'm being fed a line here. I'm expected to infuse about my Kickstarter, which, you know, I can. Um, 
if that was if that was the intent. Because yeah, it wasn't, it. but you are welcome to. Oh, delighted to report. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who's backed me. I am so emotional. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, I do appreciate the support. Um, and if you like extra cultures, great news. In the course of this podcast, we have gone through stretch goal number two. So now there will be more cultures. Woo-hoo. So, so your, your Kickstarter yeah. you launched this week is fully funded. Is what yes. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, and also, just like to say that Russ gave me some excellent advice, which is use backer kit which for, works. The, for the launch campaign. Do that before you launch. Mm-hmm. And then, because Kickstarter used to tell people that you do a thing. Now it seems to have stopped. Hmm. Not sure why you do that, but you do you do you Kickstarter. You I do did you. get a notification that you'd done a thing. Oh, I okay. did. I did get because right. it does say, "Hey, you've you've backed this person's uh, yeah. camp- previous campaigns. They are doing another campaign." Yeah, I think it very much depends on people's settings and it's a settings thing. Yeah. All sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get almost no notifications in Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, I assume at some point I turned most of them off because I was getting too many. I assume, but um, that, I get that, almost none. <laughs> With the amount of Kickstarter you do, yeah, yeah, uh, it seems very reasonable. I yeah. do that. I have a folder because I'm a nerd for all the Kickstarter updates. So once a week, I go in and read because mm. of not D and D and doing the news. I like to see what people are doing, but mm. I have it go to a side folder, and I like, oh, there's twenty things in there. And like once a week, I'll go in and skim through. Yeah, and that um, is super organized. Anyway, congratulations like the on the Kickstarter funding. Yes. I take I take full credit for it, of course, but congratulations. Yes. <laughs> and our Kickstarter is rolling along yeah. uh, as the Level Up A5E starter box set. Yeah, uh, weeks to go, and it's just plus 40 grand, which is yes. nice. So I think That's we're going to unlock all of the stretch goals by the end of the campaign, and nice. yeah, nice. Yeah. Gonna be lovely. Nice. Gonna be lovely. Very, oh, we've, been, we've we've pretty much hit the end of, we've got to make more stretch goals now. We stopped um, at four. We've got one left to go at 42. Okay. That doesn't... And then... That, okay. We don't have to make Yeah, I was about to say, let's not, let's not make the mistake of being like, we're in our stretch calls. Let's just make some more on the fly and then stress ourselves no. out and make stuff. Because we need to deliver next week the digital files. So... It's all fine. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah, something, something going forward. And this is this yeah. is this is a summary VM publishing business. Russ having fun ideas, and I'm like, yeah, but how practically, logistically going to do this? I feel Ooh. like I'm the very unfun. Ooh. But this is why. <laughs> but this yeah, is what we, pays you for. Why but <laughs> but yeah, we are doing it nevertheless because it's fine. And Frank yeah. doesn't doesn't mind. And Frank is doing the layout. <laughs> and- <laughs> Oh, I get it. Okay, someone else has to do the work. So you're like, yeah, I'll commit. I'll commit our graphic designers to doing things. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, I have some more D&D-related news as well. Uh, And it links into this week has been a very AI discussion week in Tabletop RPG. Uh, And one of the things... AI, not Al. I wonder what Al had to do with it. He's up to no good. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was a very bad joke. Hurry on. I was just saying. Tell, tell, tell me what Alice is doing. So, in terms of AI, so we we talked previously about Big B's Glory of Giants, or the official name, Big Bumper Book of Big Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was found out after publication that one of the artists had used uh, algorithmic generation to create some of the artwork. Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast didn't know, so that, so when they found out, they were like, "Oh, Soz, we don't want that." They've changed their policies to make it uh, new language in their contracts so that that doesn't happen again. And they said we're going to replace the art when we do reprints and also on our digital editions. Cool. Uh, this week, the D and D Beyond version of Big B Presents has replaced the art, so that's already done. So they've replaced uh, the mm. art that was previously used with AI. With um, art, with stuff from someone else as well. I thought they just asked that person to redo the art, but no, they've got other people to do it because he's gone from the credits. 
Correct. Uh, that artist was removed from the credits. The art was mm. replaced by works by Claudio Prozas, who Claudio Prozas. That's one. Claudio. Yes. Yeah, that's one. Who's done work for with us at In Publishing and lovely chat. Uh, yeah. No, loads of people actually. There's a li- there's a whole list actually. I was going to go through it and I was like, there's a lot there. It's all credited on there, but you can see um, the art was been replaced by new works from new artists that are not using AI. Because that is talking of Claudia Posas, it was his birthday this week. Oh, happy oh. birthday, Claudia! Happy birthday! Yeah. Congratulations he is, on Big B. He's about four months older than me, or something younger than me. Sorry, yeah, four months younger than me. Well, a diplomatic someone... silence was observed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was the the D and D news of AI. But if yeah. you allow me, I will have a run on. We're talking about AI because we were just talking about backer kits, as you mentioned. Okay. You yeah. Continue to talk about how, yeah, backer kits and some exciting things. Like mm. So they made yeah. a statement this week saying that effective of from now, because October fourth mm. is their their line. They've made mm-hmm. a statement that no project will be allowed with mm. any writing or art assets that were entirely created by algorithmic generation AI, mm. aka AI. Mm-hmm. And so they have done a full blog because obviously that's quite a broad statement, and there's a lot of ambiguity yeah. in that because it says entirely. Um, mm. So they've done a full blog post talking about that. Uh, they've got examples in it about what is and what isn't allowed, like how much you can use. Like yeah, red eye filter would be okay if you've got a photographic. Exactly. Sort of yeah, for yeah. example. Yeah. But they have a full yeah. full document. But the, the the summary of what they're trying to say is all content and assets must first be created by humans. Yeah, it can be tweaked by. AI tools, but yes. yeah. the original piece of art has to be human. That's created. right. And they have gone into detail about what that means. So if you mm. are considering using AI in your projects and you want to check if you can still work with Backerkit, um, and that would be working with Backerkit for using their crowdfunding platform, using their marketing platform, like Peter was saying, used for the emails or, or whatever, pledge managers. So if you're if you are using a project that does that and planning to use Backerkit, I would double check that and have a look and check that, you know, yeah. That works. And also, if you're a consumer using Backerkit, you now know that um, it's going to be quite transparent about things for AI. So if you are worried mm-hmm. about that, you needn't be. And did I read correctly, or was this a product of my fevered imagination, that at some point creators would get the option to say that they do not want their work scraped for AI training? That is purposes? correct. They have the ah, yes intents to do that. It will be an opt-out feature, so the default is that creators won't have their work mm. be able to be it'll be printed from yeah. scraping for AI, but okay. you can opt out to choose to have it allowed. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure I'm, if that's I'm not sure if that's in place yet, but I can, believe can, can that I say, is. Yeah. I'm actually quite impressed. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That's some solid modeling there. I yeah. very much appreciate it. Yeah. Mm. So that is not currently in place, but it's going to to be that's their plan. I and I don't mm. I don't have a time frame on this one here. Maybe it's in the fourth place, yeah. but. That is a plan. So they're kind of they're looking at it and they they want to yeah get ahead of it, make a policy, and make a statement. Yeah, I mean, we're um, talking about policy with our compatibility logo and use of AI as well, which we haven't decided on yet. But yes, I think people are going to expect to hear something from us soonish on yes. that topic. Because at the moment, there's nothing to stop third party creators making a level up A5V or what sort of new using AI in their products. We haven't addressed that issue because yeah, because it's a a new thing. So we are. Yeah. Yeah, we are having discussions this week about what our stance is going to be on that mm. for third party. Yeah, I mean, level up is. I keep forgetting how new level up is because mm-hmm. obviously, but it was like it's only what uh, November, October, November twenty one that mm. the Kickstarter was launched. Yeah. So yeah. So the, the products were physically available for like retail and 
outside of our backers last year mm. in 2022, mm. yeah, yeah. mid. So yeah, it's still going new. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I have more stuff to say about AI as well. Because yeah. the last two we talked about are people that gone, mm, no thank you, AI. Mm-hmm. Essence Spiel said, yes, please. <laughs> Essen Spiel, big board game convention, is happening this weekend in mm. uh, Essen in Germany. Mm. And it's like the board game event. It's like one of the biggest board game events in the world. And mm-hmm. loads of stuff happens there. And then there's role-playing stuff there as well. But the promotional material they used for the event, and that was for their apps, posters, tickets, used AI-generated artwork. Mm-hmm. A lot of people online have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. So in the same way that in role-playing games, obviously across all of tabletop, so board gamers as well, are discussing you know, the use of AI art. So Stronghold mm-hmm. Games used AI art for their Terraforming Mars Kickstarter. Yeah, um, I should heard about that. Yeah. And there was a lot of discussions around people's thoughts about that then as well. Some people have challenged Essen about this and the spokesperson for Merz Verlang and they're they're the one that run the event. They've said they're experimenting with AI to comprehend its benefits but also its limits and they also added that the protection of artists' rights has been a priority for us. Mm. So then they were asked, oh, so with protection of artists' rights, where has the database come from? And then they said, Mm. oh, we don't know what was in the database of artwork used to create the images. It's like, Mm. okay. Um, But yeah, and those are the facts of things that have happened mm. that I'm putting out there. Yeah. I mean, there needs to be transparency. has to be transparency on the source of the of what's being scraped. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that has, and that has to be regulated as well. That can't yeah. just be voluntary. That I, has to be regulated. I think that's why yeah. EM Publishing, that we, we don't want to use it in our products. I'm like, because at the moment, I don't know how I would verify what's been scraped and used by yeah. various softwares. And because I, I can't seen, do that... I've seen author friends of mine Mm-hmm. Um, there's this database online somewhere where you can check one of the databases that is used for scraping, and they're finding their own books in there uh, yeah, and things like, like that. Book, and book three yeah. or something. That was one of the scraped but I, I I didn't look too much into it because it's just like it's just. Well, the dragon uh, Margaret Weiss, I think, tweeted that she'd found out that her books were in that um that uh, that thing, and her books yeah. were being scraped. Yeah, yeah, so I think yeah, so it's important. What, I think if you're why people think that's okay, that's just. Sorry, fine. Well, I'll, I'll get off my hobby horse. I'm yeah, about to yeah. jump on my soapbox again. Yeah, no, I think, well, no, there's a lot to say about AI. And it, I mean, it could be, it is a tool that can be used in a way, but with any tool, you need to regulate it and make sure it's not being used to hurt people. Mm. Like you can use a knife to cut your vegetables and make a nice meal, but using it to stab someone's pretty not good. So <laughs> you need to, you know, understand what it is and have some accountability about tools that you're using mm. and how they're being used and what they're being used yeah. for. I, mean, I, I like the concept of AI. Yes. But not the plagiaristic yeah. side of it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know. I mean, it could be so awesome. It could mm. be like a really great way to get mm. like some... Just, just, just some like you know, pilot is pilot art like concept art. Mm-hmm. Well, just, not, even, not even just that, like household stuff. Like you know, imagine like your Alexa or Siri or whatever just being better because it uses AI. Yeah, yeah. You or, know that or, sort of thing. Or if you try, or, or like draft me up a letter to the council to say uh, my bin didn't get collected. Mm. And that, and then you just have to like read, read through it and say, yeah, that's fine. Well, I also say, yeah, book me tickets to something, and it knows, yeah. it understands that, and knows how to figure out how to book the tickets to that thing sort of thing rather than you know what I mean that sort of thing you need to be confident about yeah. all the all the potential things that could go wrong and that aren't going wrong and da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah and that, I like think that's that. why yeah 
That's why I we don't that... want to use it because I don't have the understanding of how mm, to do yeah. that safely and ethically at this point. Well, Maybe like, in yeah, the future I'm, there will be a way. I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on the matter, but it's no. like I think they've done uh, they've run into problems with it in courts in America oh, yeah. because mm. somebody was like, "Oh, okay, well what we'll do is we'll get AI to write you a um, a thing to help you contest a traffic ticket and so forth." Mm. And it um, made up cases. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a separate thing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was some guy who was like basically using AI to generate spontaneous traffic tickets and all ways to combat traffic tickets. And there was someone else who was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah like this is my research that I've done." Mm. It's, yeah, as you said, it made up cases, which which turns out right. Judges not known for their sense of humor about that mm. sort of thing. They take a dim view. Fair <laughs> dim, <Yeah>. dim view. <laughs> But yeah, so that, that was my news of the week. Industry was talking a lot about AI. I think we, I think as an industry, there's strong opinions on a lot of sides, and yeah. we don't yeah. have a consensus on the way forward um, yeah. at the well, moment. Depends who you I'm pretty sure all the artists would say so much. We don't want hard work being scraped. It's so much in its infancy now. But, yeah. it's so much in its infancy. It's like yeah. in, in in Terminator terms, it's not like we've got Skynet yet. It's just that they've just got that one arm in the safe. Mm. That's where it is in the scale of AI. I mean, it's not even like that exciting. Like, <laughs> it's not, they're not. They're not they're, I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel pressured. I don't feel worried that there's going to be AI that destroys us all. I'm more worried about corporations actually working to destroy us all by just throwing tons of money, using up huge amounts of resources. It's like this whole. I mean, ultimately, I don't really care about crypto coins being used for criminal enterprises. That's horrendous. Like, should not happen. But it's only because people support it. But also, like one of the unintended effects is the massive environmental damage. Mm. It's just oh, there's just I, I would love it if there were applications which did not revolve around scams, right? Or shams or just grift. It would be great. But they're just coins, really fine. We're to drift a bit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the generally impact is serious as well. If people could not be dicks, that would be great. Yeah. Just yeah, as a general super. flat run right. general anyway. rule. We have an RPG podcast to make. Okay. Um, so we, we, we wish these AI people stop coming and interfering with our, with yeah. our, with our serious business. So well, yeah. that, that's the news yeah. I had on that. So I wanted to bring that yeah. in. Mm. Okay, so we've yeah. gone through that. We've gone through the D&D news. Those were kind of the top line news things for me that bit I picked up. Bit more D&D up. news. Bit more oh, yeah. D&D oh, news. really? So the Penguin Random House stuff. So um, Penguin oh, Random no. House handles yeah. Dungeons and Dragons for the book trade. Which is separate to the hobby trade. So the hobby trade mm-hmm. is hobby shops, uh, game stores and things like yeah. that. The book trade is like Barnes and Noble and yeah, yeah. yeah. and Asmodee and yeah. so forth. They look after hobby trade. So uh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then Amazon separate again. Usually, mm-hmm. is, um, yeah. But Penguin actually, Wizard of the Coast did announce this back in September, and no one noticed, mm-hmm. including us. So this isn't this isn't actually new news. It's just that. Something that um, Penguin Random House put out this week, mm-hmm. suddenly people noticed that when they put out mm-hmm. a memo to retailers indicating that as of the end of this year, December yeah. 31st, they would cease distributing titles for Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went out to retailers. Yeah. Wizards uses a whole load of distributors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They use Penguin Random House for the book trade, as we just said. They use Alliance, Diamond, GCS and stuff. They use Asmodee over here um, and in Europe. You know, So they, they use a whole load of different ones. Most of them are kind of hobby trade focused rather than book trade. Mm-hmm. I think that some of them do have a bit of book trade stuff going on as well. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, you do see D&D in like mass market. Yeah. 
non-hobby yeah. places. So yeah. yeah, I think Penguin Random House handled the international book trade stuff for them as well. Okay. I think. So, so yeah, Penguin Random House have announced that they will no longer be doing that. So on the face of it, that would immediately sound like okay, you're not going to see D and D in bookstores anymore. Only hobby stores is what you'd kind of think from that. Well, okay. yeah, that's not what's going to happen. But sure. um, Wizards did make a statement. And they said the uh, Penguin Random House valued partner, blah, blah, blah. And they appreciate the excellent service provided over the years. They are shifting their distribution strategy because Hasbro has capabilities of um, selling and distributing D&D products to retailers directly. Okay. They will continue to partner with Penguin Random House on other stuff, like some of the sort of booky stuff like Heroes Feast and Lore and Legends and stuff, the non-game stuff. So apparently they say it won't affect fans. Um, you will still find D&D in your, in your bookstores. It's just that they are Hasbro is becoming the distributor of no rather than Penguin Random House to do that, as I, I understand it. I suppose they're big enough and in contact with enough mainstream stores and things because Hasbro for all their toys will be in places like Target and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been so much speculation, and there's been like on one side of it, you've got people saying, "Oh, Wizard of the Coast has done the most stupid thing ever. D and D's dead now. They're going digital online only, and there will be no books," which obviously isn't true. Um, and at the other end, of the, you know, so it's kind of like, but I think this, it's sort of kind of speculative at the moment, but I don't think we'll probably see that much of a change. I don't think from the, from the consumer point of view, there is one suggestion that we will see a change on Amazon though, oh. but this is speculation again. So this was posted yeah. by James uh, Fallone, who is the, uh, he was a former director of purchasing at yeah. Diamond Comic Distributors. Mm-hmm. Speculation, as I say. Yeah. We don't. We just don't know. This is yeah, like, yeah. But but this guy has a bit of knowledge about it. So about he's, the industry, but not yeah. about mm-hmm. this specific. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. No, he's got no. He's got no inside information. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, but he's got a pair of eyes. Yeah, and a brain. Is what yeah. I'm hearing. So, so, yeah. so he Ooh, says that's a good combination. <laughs> he says that what this looks like is that Hasbro plans to move D and D to something called agency pricing, where Hasbro mm-hmm. gets to set the minimum list price, and that okay. gets around Amazon discounting. Because at the end, the price that, you know, like D&D books are really cheap on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's Amazon discounting them, not Wizards. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's up to Amazon what they discount. Yeah. For Barnes & Noble, he says it might also mean, and again, this is speculation, that it would be bought by the toy and games folks at Barnes & Noble rather than the science fiction book trade folks. Oh. Yeah, that would, that would make is. sense. To be honest, yeah. I assume that's... That was yeah. what was happening, so I'm surprised to hear yeah. that it is not. It also just this is a more prominent placement as well, because that means where you'll find it in the store mm. is it's not going to be sh- it's not going to be shelved with the other RPGs. It's going to be up there with Lego and stuff, yeah, like in the in the toys and games stuff, which is a kind mm. of more prominent placing mm. in, in, in in those stores. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but that's that, that's a speculation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting speculation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen some indie booksellers saying that it won't stop them getting the books, mm. but it will be annoying. Yeah, because like you know, you have higher minimums if you're buying from a games distributor, mm. and they're a bit fussier about if you have damaged stock and so forth. So mm. yeah, making returns. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I think Wizards is pivoting to digital and is pushing hard for it. Uh, they'll keep selling books as long as there's money to be made in books. Mm. But in terms, but like looking at it as a corporate entity, mm. if you look at things like profit margins, like their books are super cheap. But you know what is super cheaper? Mm. <laughs> Sorry, 
<laughs> Words failing me. Uh, digital. Digital. Like, profit margins and digital are insane. Mm-hmm. They're great. Of course. Yeah. Like, and for a certain sort of person, that's what they're interested in. And yeah. also, you get, you get you can get subscriptions for that as well, so it's guaranteed income streams. So. Also, I, yeah. I yeah. wonder if it's leading where a lot of players are as well, because if you looked at some of the more mm. recent stats, a large percentage of D&D customers are playing purely online. Mm. So I wonder if they're just looking at those trends and being like, hey, let's lean into that for all the positive reasons that you just listed, Peter, as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've got their virtual tabletop coming and all this yeah. sort of stuff. They are definitely... I mean, I'm not saying that they're switching solely to it, but they are no. definitely <laughs> increasing its prominence. Yeah, yeah. In their, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And from what I, what I have heard, and this, again, is sort of rumoury stuff, but it's like the book trade this just isn't what it was. Mm. So possibly, like, the, the book trade just isn't making Wizards as much money as it once was. Well... As a publisher, we mm. see that as well. Like the cost of shipping and moving things around mm. is almost as much as mm. printing and making the book. So, yeah. and it's already an industry where the margins aren't amazing. So, mm. yeah, I get it. If you're a corporation looking at scales and percentages, yeah, yeah, it would be attractive. Yeah. But I like my books. <laughs> she says, sat in front of a small dragon's horde mm-hmm. of tabletop content. And uh, a stack. lifestyle choice. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for the validation, Peter. Anyway, anyway we have finished yeah, the news, I believe. Unless you can think of more news, I've got some bits and bobs which okay. might be interesting. Spill the beans. Well, uh, on the but don't literally spill any beans because that will make a mess for the delight and delectation. There is plus one exp dot com. Sorry, it's got a double e. And that's giving me connections trying to pronounce it. Okay. Um, and that is a zine or, if you're a rest, zine club. <laughs> I just think zine sounds better than zine. I can't have it. But it's like magazine. I know. <laughs> Unless you say magazine. <laughs> well, maybe I will start saying magazine. <laughs> Pass me the magazine. <laughs> I just insist that it's correct. <laughs> that's, you do do that with a lot of words. Sorry. I do do that with a Sorry, lot of words. Sorry, Peter. Yeah, Please true. carry on. <laughs> Tell us about the design. I was just, enjoy- just enjoying my, uh, keeping my hands warm in this nicely roasted grass. <laughs> oh, monster. Anyway, it's a subscription membership by Plus One EXP. It's a load of indie RPG designers, and like every month you get apparently free sorts of, uh, zine and, Fine. yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, story games, adventure games, and what if I want all of them? So, yeah, there's like, ranges from about $18 to $32.20, and hmm. you can get them. Monthly or every other month, and it's Very like, cool. I mean, it's not my preferred method of interacting with RPGs and mm. learning them, but like my preferences are not universal, obviously. So if you are excited by the concept of having more zine goodness, uh, zine goodness, because it scans better than zine, but they are zines, so yeah, zines come in zines. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah, this is this is available. Exciting. Yeah. I spotted something yeah. as well. Uh, so every, oh, yeah. so every week, Daryl does freebie sales and charity bundles uh, on EM World mm. every week of stuff. And so I always go for a bargain. Mm-hmm. And something that jumped out at me that I saw that looked really cool is the free battle map ruins. So Andrew mm. RPG is a company called Magical RPG Games, and they do oh, yeah. battle maps of loads of different kind of generic settings. They're like, this is a village. You have a forest roadmap or a snowy lake or so you know mm-hmm. stuff that you could just have to to chuck in and they have um a selection of like different ruins and old things like that battle maps and it's pay what you want suggested price mm-hmm. of 89 cents so even if you pay the full price that they're asking for it's you know less than a dollar 
And they have loads of them, 25 by 20 battle maps, and they're optimized for use with mm. Roll20, but of course they're battle maps, so you can nice, make them work nice. with whatever. And I just thought that was mm. that was quite nice for a whole bundle of different maps and things, and it's all it's mm. all linked on the freebies page. And there's loads of other maps and things that they've listed there, but yeah, I just thought that was quite yeah. cool as well. So yeah, yeah check out the freebies good. sales and charity bundle article. Yeah. Oh, good work, Daryl. Well, good spot, as we like to say. There's many things on in that on that article though, but that was one one that just jumped out at me for my that I thought was interesting. Yeah. From from the depths of itch.io. Love that place. I saw Soul Beyond Earth, which I have to say, it's got a strong title right there. Mm-hmm. And this is a a retro futuristic universe where the space race never ceased. Mm. Hmm. Uh setting heavy gaming experience. I don't know, it just looks really fun. Like a quite quite sort of hard sci-fi, but in a sort of a retro fashion. Mm-hmm. With lots of things like inspirations include Gerald O'Neill's The High Frontier and uh, James and The Expanse from James S. A. Corey. So yeah, I mean it it looks good. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say. And it's five dollars, so I'm 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 always tempted by such things, but I thought I would just shout out because I know there are people you might want such things as uh, the soft cover or premium soft cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. It's just a pretty little thing, that's all. Thanks for sharing. It does look cool. You're very welcome. And there, there was one final thing I saw, but Ooh. it's not it's not strictly out yet. A preview. Uh, have, a, a teaser, well, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It is It is for a Kickstarter. Uh, I, don't, I don't generally talk about Kickstarter previews unless they're like, because it's very hard to know what's in them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Adam Hancock has is working Great on setting. our fantasy town, and from the writing on Mastodon, I deduce that it is essentially where you can back it, and then you can write for it, and you're creating like a section of a town, and when it's all done, then it'll be compiled into a PDF and put out. Yes. And I'm I'm intrigued by this. I, I'm still not entirely sure how it would work. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sa- I realise I'm saying words and the expressions I'm getting are largely blank. So. I'm sorry, I'm looking at it and reading it. It says, a backer-publisher collaboration to build a fantasy settlement for any tabletop RPG system. Yes, and it's like, yeah, as I say, I, I, that, this, this, is, this is why I am a little reluctant to report it because... It's only from the depths of the microblog of the Fiddyverse Mastodon mm-hmm. that I actually know anything else about it. Oh, okay. But you, Daddy, is it's a collaboration between the publisher and the backers. I, I just, I don't quite understand it, but it's an intriguing idea. I'm very intrigued by experimental ways to do things. Yes. And this is like back it. You can contribute, and then it will presumably go through an editing layout, and it will end up. In your own PDF slash book, handy wavy wavy handy. Yeah. I'm, I don't quite know how he's going to implement this, but I just thought it was quite interesting, really. So I'm sort of I am intrigued. Interested. So Peter, I may oh. task you to come back with more information once it has launched. <laughs> if you should you accept this quest? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've got I've got it in my save, so I'll know when it comes out. So I'll probably Excellent. be able to give you some. Better information. A side quest I, for you. Yes. I, if you're I, I handing out quests, shouldn't you have like an exclamation mark above your head or something? I do. I that's what this... Does. You think this is a yeah. top-notch oh, that's what that is. Is. Okay. <laughs> that's not I your I do hair. that to you all the time, just before this thing. I was like, so, how have you progressed in this quest for the week? 
That's our Monday meetings <laughs> when we, we go through the work to do for the week. That is me handing out quests. I see. Not all of them are exciting. It's like, please, can mm. you sign this form and paperwork? Mm. Please, can you pay these people? Please. <laughs> Yeah, very exciting. It's, it's not. It's, it's not sort of like go and get twelve badger pelts from the uh, from the from the woods or no. kill sixteen rats on the cellar no, and bring me their tails. Please or, fill out uh, this spreadsheet. Yeah, I mean, rest your, you, you'd be seriously over leveled for uh, a badger pelts and so forth, yeah. um, and got completely wrong built for it. So yeah, but spreadsheets that's that's very naturally going to be Oh, it's my favourite time of the year: the great race. It's so exciting. I've already placed my bets on this year's winner. The atmosphere is alive. So, when does the race begin? Oh, it starts at noon today. The racers are already at the starting point, preparing for their vehicles and mounts for the journey ahead. Ah, 1,000 miles across every terrain imaginable. And then some. So, um, who's in it this year? I heard uh, Lord Bigglesford has a new steed. Yes, he has a new wyvern, Betsy. She's said to be faster than an arrow. I pity anybody racing against her. Oh, and a medium bala of Little Botherington is there with a Thunderwagon Mark III. Nothing, it's slow, but it's steady. Yeah, ain't nothing going to stop that thing. It's what, four stories high? Oh, it doesn't so much go through forests, it goes over them. So, what about the gnomish contingent this year? Oh, they're here with their latest contraption, uh, the all-terrain medium-speed multi-rotational personnel transport model D. Um, I think this one has legs? Steam-powered, I heard. Well, hopefully it won't explode on the starting line, like last year's doohickey. Uh, oh, look, uh, Baroness Goth, the Death Knight, on some kind of death dragon. General Elsabeth in a blimp? That thing is enormous. And is that Grand Elf the Beige, mounted on that giant eagle? <sighs> it's going to be an epic race. The prize pot this year is enormous. It isn't the money. It's the glory. Ah, yes. Truly, there is no greater victory than to win the great race. To be crowned as the Goose Princeling for the year and all the benefits that brings. Goose Princeling? Yeah, yeah, they sponsor the race every year. Who do? Geese? Oh, well, you know, uh, the, um... Uh, uh, the Council of, um... Uh, duck, uh... Federation. The Council of Duck... Federation? Yeah, yeah, th that's it. Sorry, just to clarify, the Council of Duck Federation? Yeah, 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 the uh, Council of Duck Federation. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Uh, don't trash talk the ducks. <laughs> Badass duckerluckers. They'll set the Shadow Goose Regiment on you. There's a Shadow Goose Regiment? Elite Ninja Geese, I hear. Well, I, for one, offer allegiance to our duck overlords. The Council... Of Duck Federation? The Council of Duck Federation. The true rulers of the nine duchies. All hail the Council of Duck Federation! There's no bleeding Council of Duck Federation. <laughs> I assure you there is. It doesn't even make sense. Just listen to it! Council of Duck Federation. Makes perfect sense to me. You know, I'm beginning to think you might be a problem, my sceptical friend. Yes... You do not seem to be fully aligned with our core uh, duck uh, values. Your core duck values? I'm I'm truly sorry about this, but I have to blow the goose whistle. Blow the goose whistle? What are you talking about? What is that thing? <coughs>
The whistle has been blown. The Shadow Geese will be here soon to see to your re-education. You have lost the plot, my old friends. Oh, you'll see. You are both a few arrows short of a quiver. They're coming. Who's coming? The Shadow Goose Regiment? Are you completely delusional? We tried to tell you. It's out of our hands now. The Council of... uh, Duck Federation? Will have their way. I've had enough of this. You two are completely quackers. (laughs) What? No! Stop! Get away! Somebody help me! Don't say we didn't warn them. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? Wizards have just put out a playtest packet for next year's game. Yeah. This is such a new edition. Anyway, um, mm. for, for next year's game, which has the rules for Bastions. It's the same game. It's they totally different. Us. Every time we see stuff, it's totally different. They've told us it's a compatible and it's the same game. I've won, believe them. It's going to be compatible, but it is a new new game. Anyway, 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 anyway. anyway, So, so the playtest packet they just put out is Mm -hmm. their Bastions rule set, which is how you can build like a home base, a stronghold in D&D. Yeah. But this sort of stuff isn't new. This goes back to original D&D. This goes back to the 1970s, strongholds in D&D. Um, yeah, they've been balancing factor, as I understand it. Well, there's pretty much every edition of D and D. I think maybe fourth edition didn't. I can't remember, or maybe it even did, and I've just forgot. But um, had had rules for strongholds um, to varying degrees. Like third edition had an entire book dedicated to them. Hmm. I think in first edition AD and D, it was there's a bit in the appendix. I think, if I recall correctly, I may be wrong, but. They've been around for ages, and they're kind of like gold sinks, but in some editions of D&D, they'll tell you what income you get from them. And like in third edition, you're literally designing the stronghold room by room. It looks like a detailed book full of yes. stuff. And then we've got third-party stuff, like there's Strongholds and Followers from Matt Colville's um, MCDM yep. company um, is out there. Uh, Level Up has Stronghold Building Rules. Yes, and a Stronghold Builder Tool, I see. And a Stronghold Builder Tool. Ooh. And, of course, D&D. Fifth edition is about to get Bastion rules, which is their stronghold building rules. So pretty interesting, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not super complicated. Um, yeah. So basically, you get in in these rules, you get you get a Bastion at fifth level. This is if the if the GM the GM's into this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, because it's additional rules, not um, it's not, it's not basically. Anything. So you get a Bastion at fifth level, and it's totally up to you what it is. You can call it whatever you want. It could be a pub or a wizard's tower or a castle or a Whatever it is you want it to be. Um, the description is whatever you want. And then the game, every game week in the game is a, a bastion turn. And your bastion earns a point every turn. 
Mm-hmm. And then you can spend these points on stuff. Okay, yeah. So things things you can spend it on, like magic items. Mm-hmm. So your bastions can produce magic items for you. Right. They can spread your reputation. You can spend points on spreading your reputation. Um, you can spend points on returning to life. If you die, huh. you can, if you've got bastion points to spend, return to life back at your bastion the next day. Huh. <laughs> How would you roleplay uh, that? Don't know. Like in story terms. Like, um, yeah, cool. It's a miraculous thing, I guess. I like Gandalf the White coming back or something. I don't know. It'd be like, ooh, glowing lights. No, oh, I'm back. I went to heaven and I'm back. Or something. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the answer. Okay, so let's say like this is traditionally a divine thing to do, or maybe got druids. Mm. So maybe in the fiction, what you've done is you, like you know, as in medieval nobles in Europe, you said, mm. "Hey, you know what? You're a bunch of monks. I have a bunch of money. Why don't you pray for me? Mm. How about that? Here's a big stack of money. Yeah. Uh, except now you're just insourcing that. You're taking the monks in, and they're praying." On your dime, as it were, uh, and if you get got, then they'll just like I don't know what be level seven resurrection. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's like I raise dead. You have to do it within a minute. So this is this is some heavy resurrection magic we're talking here. I mean, it's like one two sentences in the thing. Mm-hmm. So it says, when a character dies, the character can spend one hundred bastion points to right. return to life in their bastion at the next dawn. After right. spending BP in this way, a character can't do so again until gaining at least one level. So that's two years of Bastion point accumulation if you get one a week. But there are other ways to gain Bastion points. Well, you've got facilities that generate them. So. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think you can spend Bastion points on facilities and then they generate. I'm not 100% sure there. How do you buy, how do you buy facilities? I'm just going to scroll. Oh, no, that, that's gold. You spend gold on facilities and they generate Bastion points. Yeah, I mean, from an economic point of view, it's really good because mm. there is a fifty basic fifty. Like, sorry, if I indulge myself in a little bit of wonkiness, mm. uh, fifth edition doesn't really have any what we call gold sinks. Yeah. So you mm. have huge amounts of gold sloshing around, and, and magic items you, yeah. you can't buy magic items. There's no prices. You can't buy scrolls. I think you can maybe spend. I think there are some crafting rules brought mm. in, but I don't know how much of a like cash sink they would be. I know third edition. Crafting was a huge part of the game, mm-hmm. and people spent a lot of money there. But yeah, I don't know. You, like, what do you spend your money on? You, you, you hit a certain point where, you, as a fighter, I've got I've got my fifteen hundred gold suit of full plate armor. Mm-hmm. I bought like my two handed sword. Mm-hmm. Now I'm waiting to see what drops because, mm. yeah. and that's it. You, I mean, you can maybe buy healing potions. I think they've got yeah. a price, but I think. Know, um... Next year's rule books do have prices for magic items, as I understand. Oh, that's good. I think we've seen in the previews they have, so I think mm. that's one thing they are doing. Um, yeah, that, that this will definitely help with that, mm. because, like I say, hyperinflation, so gold, no, but, nobody has a real sense of the value but, of gold. But, 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 mm. I don't think this does solve that, because no. you're buying them with bastion points, magic items of bastion points, not gold, which your bastion's earning. But you're sinking the gold so, into buying the things to generate them. So, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. yeah. Okay, I suppose you're right, yeah. It's not. It's not a direct one for one. Yeah, and like I guess it puts a speed bump in. But yeah, it does. Mm. Does I, I? I also question why does why can't you just like throw gold in one end of your building and then magic items pop out the other? Mm. <laughs> that is Sorry. kind of what happens. But there's yeah. it takes some churning con- time. Yeah, mm. conversion to bastion points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, I. I mean, 
mean, I always like the idea of having a bastion or a stronghold. Ah. Oh, you've just done something. Oh, I think I got this wrong. So, there's two types of facilities, basic yes. and special facilities. So, basic facilities mm. are things like just like the bedrooms and stuff. It's just like the regular yeah. stuff in your, in your castle or whatever. Yeah. The special facilities, which are the things that are going to generate you bastion points and give you mm. special abilities, and these are things like libraries and yeah. labs and sort of training halls and things. These... You can buy them, you get them automatically at certain levels. So your Bastion comes with two, and then at level mm-hmm. nine, you get another two, and you yeah. get one at 13 and one at 17. Interesting. So you're not paying for them. They can't, they arrive automatically. So you're not paying for magic items. They're just coming automatically at those levels yeah. when you spend the points. Oh, interesting. Or, oh, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, not, not, not really, not really doing what I want it to do at that point. Yeah, and and also it's like I feel, and this I I don't know if people agree or disagree with it. It's just purely my opinion. I feel like I I, I know it would be a huge job. Yeah, mm. it's not a trivial sort of effort to go to. But I feel that each class should have their own sort of bastion. Mm. Um, and also I think when it comes I, to I, these facilities, they have. Yeah, yeah, I. I gotta say, like, very much the vibes I'm picking up off social media, because, like, I do like to occasionally, uh, pass and notice amongst the people talking about D&D and all sorts of things, is there's, like, a real sense of people who are like, hey, you know what, why don't we just get a bunch of our friends and live together and sort our own food and just, like, have our own special places. That, I feel that, rather than having an individual bastion, is very much where a lot of people's heads are at. Yeah. Does that, uh, does that sound weird? I mean, no. Jess, Jess knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like, yeah. who in this corner is like, oh, the world is terrible, let's just go live on a commune yeah. with our friends and play D&D all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that, that, is a, that is an option. I mean, that, as it that as does sound like a proposition yeah. where it expressed in those terms. Yeah, like so many of our friends, we've, we've said that, we're like, hmm. maybe if we just pull together and buy a big house. Hmm. But then I'm sure, like, living with loads of roommates would come in this downsize. But anyway, but yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You were saying, Russ. I mean, as, as, as written, it's one each, but there is rules here for combining bastions, so you can do that. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's like 30 yeah. different special features there, special facilities. I, I'm not super okay with superheroes, but like the Justice League and the Avengers, mm-hmm. they basically got like. Their headquarters. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah HQ and dorms. And that seems very much like that would be the vibe. But they uh, also have their own homes as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like Bruce, Bruce Wayne doesn't hang out and doesn't sleep at a dorm. You'd, well, you don't know. <laughs> he could. But I he mean, Peter Parker would totally be that. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh man, I could save him rent. That'd be it. Yeah. <laughs> Super Superman doesn't crash in a dorm. Either. He's got his own fortress solitude, but I think Superman's not. Maybe everyone. Oh, sorry. And an apartment in Metropolis True. because he is a roving reporter. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Spoilers. I'm giving away secret <laughs> identity. Damn it. Oh, I mean, I, one of the most amusing things I ever saw was um, I think it was text from superheroes mm. and. They're all saying, guys, guys, I've worked out that Superman's actually Clark Kent. And everyone's like, shut up. We know. It's really <laughs> obvious. But if he's spending eight hours a day pretending to be Clark Kent, who are we? Us. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps him off our back, man. <laughs> Shush. Don't, don't ruin it for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Have you yeah. used strongholds and things in your games? Because I, I have in a, in a 5e game. So mm. we were on board with the idea. We mm. wanted exactly what Peter said, one mm. place for our party to kind of have and manage. And we're like, that sounds yeah. really cool. And so our GM gave us the opportunity to do that. And we took it. 
But then when we actually had it, we didn't mm. engage with it and do much with it. Mm. Like, and I think I thought I would want to, because I was like, yeah, that sounds really mm. cool. We can have our own place and we can mm. invest in building it and da da da. And our GM would talk mm. through, cool, this is how we're going to do it. And we're like, yeah, that sounds great. But when it came to it, the GM kept offering us opportunities to engage and we, we chose to do other stuff. Uh, mm. And that was fine. We just went in a different direction. We didn't end up using it. But that was kind of my experience with it. And I don't think that was yeah. down to the mechanics of it. I think it was just, mm. I just, there was more interesting Which things to do. what you wanted to do, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's just preference and storytelling though, isn't it? Maybe. What, what you like. But I didn't know if sort of thing. the two of you had had different experiences. That's why so, I want, if that's my one and only experience with... So this is, this is a slight, slightly weird interpretation of it, but if you take science fiction games, yeah, basically your spaceship is your stronghold generally. If you're playing like a Star Trek game, you've got a stronghold, it's your spaceship. Or a pirate ship. Or, so, or something like that. And yeah, and certainly adventures on the ship are definitely a staple of those games, mm-hmm. and they definitely work well. But yeah, I think in D and D, yeah, the strongholds do tend to take a background yeah. seat. It's odd because in digital games, if I have the opportunity to have my little house, and I'm thinking things like Elder Scrolls and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I want to have my little house, and I will spend time like decorating it. it. Has no mechanical benefit, just beyond this is my little place, and I keep all my little trinkets here, nice. But um, I I haven't felt the need to do that in tabletop, which is interesting. I'm not sure why. You got less downtime in tabletop, oh, because like, that's the sort of thing that you if, do in between sessions. Well, I would say plot took place at your stronghold. Well, that that would be where I would let as a GM. I'd imagine RP would happen. Like that's where you have your campfire conversations for for role play mm-hmm. after yeah. the big battle you could you could you could have like a spy infiltrate your stronghold and you've got to unroot the spy or something or you could have yeah. you know a neighboring stronghold has decided they don't like you and you know you got to deal with that because they're attacking or there's a, there's, you could have plots that involve your stronghold yeah yeah. yeah yeah so with respect to things like the pirate shit that mm-hmm. is something like customizing that sort of thing it's very big. That's why I wrote one if by land, two if by sea, yeah. two if by air. Because fun. So that people would be able to say, you know what, let's have a custom vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just like this is a great place for you. To, like when you just have big piles of money, throw money at it, mm. and then you can scoot around, and it's like it's got all this cool stuff that you put on there. And, yeah, yeah, you're having fun. You're having fun uh, with a stronghold. It's it's like I I've never played in a game where I've had access to a stronghold. Mm. Um, so that is a thing. On the A5E Discord, somebody did propose something that was really interesting to me, which was a, um, it was basically a research, a research, it was basically a research game, a research mini game, but that used the advanced fifth edition mechanics. So Mm. you could then delve into, I mean, well, it wasn't using the advanced fifth edition mechanics, which was my problem. Uh, It's like, why would they get on? But if it was tweaked a bit, Mm. then like having a library to actually, role play with and like you know do skill things with seems like it would be fun like maybe because i think with like advanced fifth edition i don't actually know the rules strongholds what 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 are they right? oh, like, what's the like, difference very quickly sort of um yeah cover them because i've okay so i briefly saw them on the star cross seaway because they use their pirate ship as a stronghold mm. So, yeah, um, they're they're fair, they're fairly straightforward. So um, basically, a stronghold um, you buy yeah. with money. Yeah, you have like five sizes of stronghold. It's called grade, grade mm. one to five, um, and that just gives you like a big sort of square footage kind of uh, thing. Yeah, um, and you choose a type of stronghold. 
Um, and there's a bunch of different types. Um, there's, um, let me get the list. We've got castles, we've got encampments, farms, guild houses, lab, labs, uh, libraries, mm. menageries, sacred groves, shops, loads, yeah, loads of different types of strongholds. Yeah. So basically, you're going to have a, a grade three castle or a grade one shop. So the grade is the size and the thing is the mm. type. And that will determine how much a stronghold costs. Yeah. And then you can choose sort of how, um, how nice your stronghold is. Okay. Yeah. So this is basically a luxury, a quality sort of thing. So you go from frugal, average, luxurious, or legendary. Um, that is a multiplier to the cost of your stronghold. Yeah, yeah. And then basically with that information, so you've got your say your luxurious grade four guild house or something, yeah. or your your frugal grade two house or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got all that, so that gives you a price. Um, you can sort of add on some sort of special features like it's flying in the air or it's underground or it's whatever but you can do that then you've got your stronghold um so then your stronghold gives you a few things so it gives you um an asi ability score increase nice you get a prestige bonus a5e has prestige so basically have a prestige score which is basically how famous you are or infamous nicer your kits the better the stronghold yeah or nicer your props yeah and it it gives you a, a feat yes a stronghold feat. I think singular is a foot. Oh. <laughs> Gives you a foot. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I make that joke every table sitter, and it goes mm. down just as well as it has here. So, for example, a castle. Mm-hmm. You've got a castle. Mm. So the stronghold feat for that is you get a coat of arms, which you can display on your shield or on the flag of a squire bearing your standard, if you have one. Right. And allies, you can see your coat of arms, have advantage on saving those versus fear. Mm. Nice. So the feats, that kind of thing. For the larger strongholds, most of those feats have a, if the stronghold is quite big, like grade five or something, it can do an extra thing as well. It's slightly better. And just, just well. to clarify, right, it's, it, the stronghold is for the party opposed to the individual. Is that right? Or is it? Either or both. Either or both, yeah. Whoever pays for it. The party can pay for one and the individual can pay for one. Because I think, yeah, role play perspective, I think a party one would be good. Because that also gives your party a reason to keep adventuring mm. together. It's like, yeah, we're all going in to buy this pub together and we'll go off adventuring. Yeah. And this yeah. is our. Yeah. Yeah, because I always like yeah. a good role play reason as to why are we hanging out with these mm. ragamuffins that all have a lot of issues, really, yeah. and perhaps <laughs> we shouldn't be hanging out together anymore. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's basically how they work. Oh, you also get free followers as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. you get, you get, if you get stronghold, you've got followers, and followers in um, level up are kind of like fo- they follow you around adventuring and yeah. do stuff for you. They're kind yeah. of like spells which you can use almost. They're sort of abilities that you can yeah. access right. by virtue right. of having the follower there. Yeah. They, they they help you out. They, it's like little things. It's yeah. really difficult because like the difference between a commoner and a high level character is wild. Mm. Um, whereas I think in early editions of D and D, it's like the difference between like your level eight knight and a regular commoner, mm. not that big. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah. some versions of D and D, the difference between a commoner and a regular house cat is quite significant. <laughs> the regular house cat wins every time. <laughs> oh no, not the cat! <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, strongholds in um, A5E are a little, well, quite different to the ones in the Bastion playtest that yeah, we just yeah. put out. I think um, comparing the two, mm. and they've both got the same, pretty much the same goal, and I think they both mm. kind of fill the same niche. Um, the ones in A5E are a little more granular, I think. Yeah, I think the free. St- but three bonus, the three abilities that the Bastions gave, if I recall correctly, were slightly more, slightly better. Yeah. As in more powerful, not as in 
better yeah, than yeah, I do. Yeah. But yeah. Like, but yeah, I mean, yeah. raising people from the dead is quite good. So yeah, I guess it's almost like I want to buy a stronghold and I want to be able to buy bits to upgrade it. Because mm-hmm. mm. that's very, because like in D&D, role-playing games, zero strongholds ever, computer role-playing games, Things like XCOM, yeah, mm. XCOM base building. I'm like, yes, sign me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was saying earlier. I always like it digitally, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So with the Bastion yeah. playtest, you can as long as you're buying basic facilities, and the basic ones are just like regular kind of rooms, closets, and the, um, yeah. bedrooms, and kitchens, and you yeah. know the stuff that everything everything needs, courtyards, yeah. dining rooms, that sort of thing. And so you can you can spend gold pieces to do that. But if you want to do the um, whatchamacallit, the special facilities, it looks like the only way to do it is to get the free ones, the automatic ones that come at certain levels. I don't know if I find that very satisfying because it feels like there's going to be an optimal path. Yeah. Like, well, dying would be a bad thing, so I guess I'll choose that. And magic weapons are good, so I guess I'll have those. Well, and all of them could do the dying thing. And all of them can do the magic item thing. Okay, that's good. Um, that's that's just a property of bastions in that. The special facilities are additional abilities based on the type of facility. I think, like, as just was saying, like, a level of granularity would be good. Mm-hmm. Mm. But again, almost it feels like it's a like it's a downtime thing. So you have your little house and you can choose to, you know, throw a bit of cash or make it look nice or not. Mm. But if you do, maybe it gives you, like, a, a minor buff. Yeah. Like, and with A5E, that's really simple. Like, you could say, okay, so once per long rest, after you've been in your house, you can increase a critical failure to a failure, a failure to a success, a success to a critical success. Say, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, at the right point, that's going to be really handy, but it's not that often. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like um, Strongholds and Followers from MCDM to see how that works. That's what I was uh, going to bring up. Yeah, so I'm looking at that now. I was also going to, I don't know them in detail, but one of the things, another system, um, so the Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, has really good mechanics for building your like stronghold or household and Mm. things like that. And that was part of our session. They made it part of your session zero, and it made you think about the lore and the history and the role play. So it also gave you some... I remember it gave you some mechanical benefits, benefits if you were like attacked and what, you know things like that. But there was a huge like element of role play in it as well. It's like, well, what's the history and the law? Like, what do people know yeah. about your house? What's mm. there? And it made this really interesting mm. bit of the story. So that was interesting. And Forbidden Lands yeah. by Free League also has strongholds mm. and things in it that does it quite differently. And I didn't mm. know if your crew in Blades in the Dark counted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. A stronghold, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I was just looking at other systems, because we talked about O5V mm. and A5V, but there are yeah, yeah. loads of other yeah. RPG systems that, that look at yeah. doing this. I like any any space game, Traveller. Yes. Yeah. Space, yeah, space yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. I, I guess I guess almost, now that this might sit, if, like, for me, the thing that, make, that would make me sit up and say, oh, yes, I need to work out how to incorporate this into my game, would be you can refurbish a place. Yeah, that like, the Bastion rules have that. The the oh yeah, the Bastion rules. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, need to have a look at that in close detail then. Just yeah. for like you know, you've defeated an evil villain, and you're like, well, actually, mm. oh, 
you keep on moving into our places. How about, how about, yeah. how about we have this place? What are you going to do about that, hey? The, yeah. on, the only thing you can't do with these bastion rules is you can't add special facilities like that, but you can add basic facilities. Okay. Or, or increase the size of basic facilities. So, but you can't add special facilities. My only, I wonder if you lean into this in the game, if it just becomes like a property management game at some point, though. Because by Warhammer Fantasy game, we got a boat, and mm-hmm. we've just made it into a trading game at the moment. We're going around picking up wool and selling it. And uh, yeah, so, we, we, we call fine. this going full traveller. <laughs> which is yeah. fine, we're enjoying that. But I'm like, yeah. is this what we intended to do? Yeah. But as, as Peter says, going back to traveller and stuff like that, which is my main sort of experience with, yeah. with, with strongholds, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I know it doesn't spaceship isn't the same as a castle, but yeah. it's, it has the yeah, same yeah, function yeah, yeah, in the game. Yeah. I have played both Traveller and old Star Trek games Mm -hmm. where building the ship Mm. and improving the ship and getting new weapons for the ship and stuff and then was part of the game that we enjoyed. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah. You you want to be able to... Like, you get a vehicle, you Mm. want to be able to bring it up. Like, you're in literally a world of magic... Mm. You just want a really sweet ride. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that was an exalted game I was in, mm. actually. We we had an amazing obs- Black Obsidian steamboat. And we're mm. like, hell yeah. yeah. It talks to us. It occasionally tries to murder us by slamming the doors on us. But mm. that's, that's just its way. Don't disrespect the boat. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. I just, yeah, I love that. I just uh, keep coming back to it. I, th- I think it's really interesting and it does sound exciting to me when I talk about it. But the one time I was presented with the opportunity, I didn't engage with it. So mm. I wonder if I, mm. it's actually what I what I really want deep down. It might have just been mm. that the rest of the adventure was more interesting, you know. And, yeah. And that was, that, was, that was the DM's priority too. And yeah. So that's what you ended up Maybe. doing. Maybe. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, again, but, it's like I feel like this is almost sort of a downtime activity. Yeah. And for those people who might not be familiar with such terminology, it means uh, uptime for me would be during a session when you're playing, and downtime would be between sessions. So you have yeah. like your Discord channel chat it's, in between. It's like part of character maintenance and stuff like that as well. Yeah. It's yeah. along with that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. like inflicting p- paperwork on people is something that I'm pretty against. But mm. some people play- like it. Some people yeah, like yeah. that part of the game. Yeah. I do, personally. I like yeah. that part of the game. So, yeah. you know. but, but it's just like... I, so, I, I mean, I guess what I'm looking for is a system mm. where I, as a referee, can support you mm. in mm. your desire to twiddle with things and do clever research and stuff in downtime. But at the same time, I don't want to have to think about it. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. don't want it to be another task for you to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a lot of stuff to do if I'm running a game. Yeah. Mm. And, like, reducing that sort of mental workload is pretty key to preventing GM burnout. So I'd like you to be able to work away and do your stuff. And that's the problem because people keep on wanting to put roles into it, which doesn't have to be witnessed or something. You know it's just like... I actually now want to run a stronghold centered game where the yeah, players, right. like like Jess was saying at the beginning of a Song of Ice and Fire game, the mm. players together make, make, the make, make a stronghold and then the plots revolve around the stronghold and places nearby. Yeah. A spaceship yeah. would be, that, work that, really well for that. Yeah, but, but but like a medieval sort of fantasy one. Oh, you wanted to, okay, uh, Like okay. a castle yeah. or a, whatever. I, 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 would ha- I would have or to... Running a thieves' guild, that could be fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. it starts off really small, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just like a hut at the end of a street and there's like four of you. Still and by the end of the campaign, you've got, you've, you've got like a thousand mm-hmm. cut purses under your, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this it level up. Does support that sort of thing because you've got the squad rules. Mm. So yeah, 
Yeah, um, right. and that yeah, be yeah. sort of because yeah. that, that's a really good way to deal with like a unit or weather arms. Like I had, I to challenge my players in my game on Wednesday, I needed to throw like over sixteen kobolds at them, mm. uh, literally hurling them across the room. It was wild. <laughs> uh like, but, but, but I don't want to run all those kobolds and make all those attack rolls and all those initiative rolls mm-hmm. and think. So, but using the squad rolls, I'm yeah. like, all right, so I'll just kobolds up and they, they attempt to shank you. There you mm. go. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that's quite fun. I want to quickly look at Strongholds and Followers, though, which is the MCDM one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just to see how it differs. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the other quite well known one for D&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's about so it. in that one, you've got, you got four types of strongholds. Um, you've okay. got your keep, your tower, your temple, and your establishment, which are kind of like the fighters one, the wizards one, the clerics one, and the rogues one. Old school. So yeah. basically a stronghold type that suits each class. And then each of them, so like the keep is kind of like warfare focused, and it attracts units of soldiers just by existing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you a bonus to the owner's combat style, personal combat style. Yeah. Then we've got the temple, which is focused on something called concordance, which is kind of your relationship with your deity. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in times of need, you can call on your deity for aid. You roll the dice and you add your concordance and see what happens. Okay. The establishment is information-focused. means you get information and secrets and stuff and it makes money for you. Okay. So that's kind of how that works. It looks yeah. like it's, it's, it's simpler than both the um, Bastion and Level Up Stronghold things, I think. Mm-hmm. But it does mm-hmm. have a whole load of followers and warfare rules as well which they don't have well there we go yeah i mean i don't know one of the one of the old stories that's like where i'm going to see new people tell me is like they had a game Mm. and this one guy who was awful loved him Mm. he basically every time they found some magic item like plus one sword and people like well i don't want that that's no good Mm. he'd get the plus one sword off them and they go bury him in a pit Mm. and then eventually the game gets up to the bit where there's like armies of them fighting and he's like, well, I'll dig up all these plus one swords and plus one weapons we found. And I'd like mm. to equip my army with them. Mm. And yeah, that sort of thing makes it, made, a, made a huge difference, apparently. So yeah, mm. certainly would deal with things like magic resistance. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's, Do you think stronghold rules are something you would actually use? Uh, I would like to use them because I think you could base a campaign around them, like you were saying. That's very attractive. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess sort of like, I'm not currently seeing the granularity that I want to, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a, I'm not sure what I want, to be honest. It's like a really, like, I'll, I'll know it's right when I say it, but it's like, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be right. I need the level of granularity where the players can engage with it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they can build it feel like they're making meaningful things. Yeah. I just feel like gatekeeping the like special stuff. At mm. uh, high levels is I don't know if that's I don't know if that's quite the right way to do it mm. unless there's a better support in the fiction for doing it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I mean, hat, hats off to D and D boys. It's this, this is this is very difficult concept mm-hmm. because it's very hard to scope out what you want. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. Yeah. It's like yeah, that's 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 how you design stuff. Obviously, you like say, well, this is what I want to make. But if you don't know what you want to make, then how do you make it? Yeah. Sorry. Mm. I'll get yeah. off my horse again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's very hard. It's a more sort of like intriguey so, so oh, yeah. social games rather than exploration games, aren't they? Mm. So, well, fire, blazing the yeah. To answer yeah. your question, I was going to say, yes, I do want to use that because I have plans. So 
The Walking Dead RPG. Oh, so excited mm. about that. Um, is being fulfilled next month. Ooh. So I backed that on Kickstarter and I did an interview uh, with Neil Tintz who wrote it, which is actually going to be on Not, D- Not D&D on Monday. Mm-hmm. And Free League have stronghold systems in Forbidden Lands and I want to see how it is in The Walking mm-hmm. Dead because in The Walking Dead, where you live and your camp is very important to you for your like life and survival. And so maintaining mm-hmm. that and having things for that is kind of part of the story. And I know mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, zombie stories, I'm tired of them. I understand that. I respect yeah. your position. I'm not done. I still mm-hmm. love it. So... In, I'm planning on running a sandboxy campaign using that system, and I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see their strongholds systems around that because I think that's a really big part of the stories. You know, sitting in a camp being sad to be running out of baked beans, like, mm-hmm. and that's that's going to be the that's vibe fair. of that game. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yes, I am intrigued about mechanics and systems that you can use for that because you can do that all mm-hmm. kind of narratively. But I wonder. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need a little bit of structure just to. Mm. Make it feel fair to the players and that, you know, random stuff isn't happening yeah. to them. Yeah, because in computer zombie survival games, that going out and grabbing bits and pieces of resources yeah. is super important. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Or like in this war of mine, that's pretty much what the whole game is. Mm. So I was tinkering around with some ideas for this war of mine RPG as well. But that's, okay. uh, yeah, that's yeah. a whole mm. other thing. But, but, it's, but it's avoiding making it an exercise in spreadsheets. Yes. Yes, that, that, that is because you need it. You need granularity, but if it starts becoming like but fun, yeah, but 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 also lighter. It's all about drag, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And this sort of weird concept drag is one that I have in my head, so I'll try and explain it. Like I've done stuff in encumbrance because I think currently encumbrance is too much drag at the table to track because I don't want to inflict this on my players. Mm-hmm. What that what have they ever done to me that I'd make them calculate their carry capacity in pounds? Why would I do that? that? That's a terrible thing to do, Tim. So that's why I like things like the bulk rules, because it's a quick, snappy heuristic. Yeah. And even then, it's like, you know, again, takes some stuff out of that. So that's why I've got things like bundles and so forth. So you can carry things, open up a bundle, grab a halberd off the floor, because that's like, it's like, it's like, it, it means it's significant, but the, the intellectual overhead to make it work at the table isn't great. Yeah. Like you can, you, you, you can just intuit almost the answers. Mm-hmm. It's almost, almost self-refing. And that, that for me is very much a sweet spot because it's like, I want to have this in the game, but if I have too much mechanics, then it's an extra subsystem that I have to learn. I'm not going to do it. And my players aren't going to do it. And it's like, I start off with good intentions and I get rid of it because it's too much drag. It's slowing me down. It's, 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 and it's okay. breaks my game. Like for and some people, the more the better. in any game I've played. Ever. Sorry? That's that's not true. Yeah, never. And as far as I know. Yeah, you have with me. I didn't track encumbrance on my character. Well you didn't have anything but I certainly wasn't tracking encumbrance. <laughs> for supply though. Mm. For supply. That, well, supply's a little cool. different, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. I kinda like the idea of I mean encumbrance is a bit off topic, but I kinda yeah. like the idea of encumbrance and gear being sort of like represented by physical items mm. in the game. Props, basically. Oh, um, yeah, so yeah. that that tracks itself because you don't have to write anything down or count it. Especially if you've got it, you've got it. If you haven't, if you don't physically have it, then you yeah. don't physically have it, and um, maybe, it's all kind of auto auto working itself. Maybe that's then. something yeah. for us to talk about next week. Yeah, I mean, Jess said looking at the time. Yeah, it, 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 it's true, <laughs> true. It's like, but encumbrances sort of relate to strongholds because where do you keep your stuff? Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's In true. a game that has a lot of accumulation of wealth, but yeah, yeah. where do you keep your hoard? Uh, 
dangerous waterfalls. Mm. Dangerous stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, just you're yeah. right. We should we yeah. should wind up. I'm, I'm, I, I could definitely come back and talk. We about could talk about encumbrance and props. I'd like to do that. Yeah, that next week. Like there's a lot equipment of cards and stuff mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Lots of space to go. All right. Yeah. All right. Next week's topic sorted. All right. Okay. In that case, I'm getting out of here. Um, enjoy your weekends. Thank you very much. And bye. I guess. Good so. <laughs> Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Ah, yes, truly, there is no greater victory... And to win the great race. To be crowned as the goose princeling for the Sorry, year I, I, and I all the benefits that brings. Did no, you see my face light up? Yeah, I did. I saw your face and it made me laugh. Okay. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. Okay. Just I'm be quiet. We're okay, to, this okay. is our turn to speak. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Council of Duck Federation. Sorry. Let me do that again. <clears throat> They'll set the Shadow Goose Regiment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They'll set the Shadow Goose Regiment on you. There's a Shadow Goose Regiment. <laughs> There's El- a Shadow Goose... Sorry. Elite Ninja Geese, the cobbler heard. <laughs> <laughs> Elite Ninja Geese, I hear. Oh, hail the Council of Duck. <laughs>